0: Hi, I'm Shaniqua McClendon, and this is Rigging North Carolina. Over the past two episodes of this series, we got into the crazy case of election fraud in North Carolina's 9th District that happened almost nine months ago. We've also taken a step beyond this specific case of fraud to explore the ways that Republicans in the state have continuously taken away the right to vote from historically marginalized groups in North Carolina. Today, we turn our attention back to the Republican consultant willing to do anything to win, Leslie McRae dallas and his scheme to elect Mark Harris as the Congressman of North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. On the night of the midterms in 2018, it looked like Mark Harris had won the election, but during the two months that followed, reports and sworn statements from voters began to surface that showed that Harris's victory had indeed been the result of a complicated election fraud scheme at the hands of Leslie McRae dallas The number of outstanding questions kept growing. And finally, on February 19, 2018, a hearing was held to get to the bottom of what actually happened in the 9th District, and find out who was responsible for this massive election fraud.
1: We're also tracking breaking news out of North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. Republican Mark Harris says he pulled out of the race despite a controversial win in November. But the results
2: weren't certified due to allegations of ballot tampering and election fraud. A hearing before the state's election board began Monday. The board can call for a new election or certify November's results.
3: Uh, The son of Harris actually testified against him as did his stepdaughter.
0: On the first episode, journalist Joe Bruno walked us through McCrae Dallas's scheme. Today, we'll get back on the phone with Joe as we explore what unfolded in the hearing. And once the hearing was called, did things just get crazier or were people finally ready to know what happened?
1: Every single day, something crazy happened. <laughs> it was so hard to almost keep up with because uh, you kind of had to just scratch your eyes and say, wow, did that really just happen? Uh, you know, the first day of the hearing, as soon as we got there, it just felt like a circus. Uh, it was a cold morning and the media was like, gathered outside of the state bar building waiting to get video of the key players as they arrived. Mm -hmm. There were some protesters outside also, and then all of a sudden this car pulls up and McRae Dallas pops out like he's some kind of celebrity or rock star, and then one of the protesters yells, traitor, and another protester yells, lock him up, and then all of a sudden McRae Dallas is walking through trying to get to the doors, all these microphones shoved in his face like it's a TMZ and some sort of celebrity (laughs) arriving for this high-profile trial. And it's kind of just amazing because, you know, the microphones are being shoved in the face of this man that very mm-hmm. few people outside of Bladen County even knew existed <laughs> just a couple months yeah. before.
0: Wow. That that sounds like a spectacle.
1: <laughs> it was quite a spectacle.
0: Um, and and okay, that was just the first day. So as far as the hearing, I know it was a three-day event, but
1: what were some of the biggest moments that stood out to you? Sure the first day uh the first thing that stood out to me was Lisa Britt getting on the stand mm-hmm. um You know, up until the hearing, Lisa Britt was a big mystery. She was, of course, Dallas's stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. She was really hard to get in contact with. She blew me off for an interview. But we knew just based on all this evidence that was out there that she held the secrets. Like she knew what went on. So it really wasn't a total surprise when she became the state's first star witness. Okay. But she essentially flipped on McCray Dallas. And and no
0: one up until that point was expecting that?
1: I think we knew someone was going to flip on McRae, but we didn't necessarily know it was going to be her. Okay. Uh, but she testified that McRae Dallas paid her to collect absentee ballots, which is illegal in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. She says she picked up ballots that did not have witnesses. Uh, she says that she thinks she was paid $125 for 50 ballots. Uh, she said she was never told by McRae to not touch the absentee ballots. She said she collected unsealed ballots at times, peeking in to see who they voted for. And she said that Dallas and the team would fill in ballots if they were unsealed and races were left blank. Wow. She said when she filled in the ballot, she would just vote Republican because that's who she was working right. for. And then, of course, one of the first stunning moments happened uh, when Lisa Britt testified that McRae Dallas provided her with a letter uh, the week before telling her to testify that I can tell you I did nothing wrong and McRae has never told me to do anything wrong and I plead the fifth. So essentially, Lisa Britt testified that McRae wanted her to obstruct this hearing.
0: And as you were watching her testify, did you get a sense that she felt betrayed by McRae in involving her in all of this?
1: Absolutely. McCray Dallas was viewed as this infallible and trustworthy figure. And I believe that Lisa felt betrayed that she would be put in the p- this position. Based on her testimony, it seems like she had no idea how bad this operation was, how illegal the activities they were doing. Some of the stuff is pretty inexcusable, like uh, voting on other people's ballots. Mm-hmm. I think you can tell that's illegal. Yeah. But for these things like going around picking up absentee ballots, right. um you know, filling out absentee ballot request forms for people who didn't necessarily uh, request them. Uh, She just felt betrayed. And she felt like she was being put in a a bad situation that she never really asked to be in.
0: Yeah. And I was I was looking over her testimony and was really quite shocked to hear her say that McCray said to her that this was a service they were doing for poor people and, and people who just needed help. Um, and it it just seems like he kind of added an extra layer of you're doing good work by doing this. And
1: right. It was, and it goes back yeah. to what a lot of workers felt like that this was just election work. This is mm-hmm. good work. It's um, something, you know, we're helping people participate in democracy. They did not realize that they were cheating the system in this way.
0: Yeah. And during Lisa's testimony, she also talks about serving as the witness on too many ballots and then using her mother's signature, forging her mother's signature. And her mother confirms that during her testimony. Could you talk a little bit about what she revealed? Sure.
1: So that's Sandra Dallas, um, is Lisa Britt's mother. So oh, the one thing that I do recall from Sandra Dallas's testimony is she was living in McRae Dallas's home in 2018 mm-hmm. while she was recovering from surgery, and she testified that she heard uh, different conversations at times that McRae had with people. And the one thing that she said during her testimony is apparently McRae Dallas loved to use speakerphone, and that was one of the only ways that he communicated. So that's how she knew about the calls that he would have of people like Mark Harris and Lisa Britt and uh, Andy Yates. Second, the first day, uh, the second major thing that happened, I would believe, was Kelly Hendricks testifying because first we had Lisa Britt flip on McRae. Mm-hmm. Then we had this young girl named Kelly Hendricks who said that she met McRae Dallas while she was working at Hardee's. Again, she testified that she viewed McRae as a father-like figure, And she had no idea what she was doing was illegal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what was really stunning about her testimony was just how emotional she got. It just almost seemed like she was overwhelmed at the prospect of her having to get on stand and testify under oath against someone she viewed as a father figure.
0: Mm -hmm. And was that it for the day as far as uh, surprising testimony?
1: Correct. That was it for the first day. Okay. But I would say the third day is when uh, we were introduced to someone no one thought was going to be there and testifying, John Harris, mm-hmm. Mark Harris's son. And when John Harris got on the stand, I mean, there was like a hush throughout the room. People were stunned that uh, about what was going to happen. And we weren't sure what the state was trying to get at here. We weren't aware of why he would even be called as a witness. And then it became very clear Uh, as the testimony continued that John Harris had warned his father about McRae Dallas being a sketchy person. But from a journalism perspective, we had no idea that John was even in the building, let alone going to testify.
0: And so what was that like? He gets up on the stand and his
1: testimony begins and First of all, I think a lot of reporters kept glancing at Mark to see how he was handling this testimony. Mm -hmm. I imagine that for anybody, having their son testify against them puts them in an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. John Harris, of course, is an assistant U.S. attorney. He is very well respected. Uh, He knows what he is talking about. Mm -hmm. So the first word he used to describe McRae was shady. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says that he told Andy Yates. Who was running Red Dome uh, for Mark Harris's campaign? That he said that he described McCray as shady to Andy Yates, and then we started to see what direction his testimony was heading toward. Um, basically, the the state had all these emails uh, that John Harris sent his dad. Uh, John was emailing his dad the results of the 2016 primary that we talked about when Todd Johnson got 221 absentee by mail votes and Robert Pittenger got one. Mm -hmm. Uh, He told his dad that the results may be worth investigating. And it seems like John Harris was kind of hung up on these results. He wanted to figure out how it was possible that Todd Johnson could get so many absentee ballot votes and Harris and Pittenger couldn't yeah. get any.
0: And he also um, mentioned the significant black voter turnout in a Republican primary being
1: very weird. Yes, he did. As he continued to email his father, I believe this was around April 2017, uh, he actually was telling his father the law mm-hmm. uh, what makes it illegal to collect someone's absentee ballot. John was raising these red flags. Yeah. He was telling his dad, listen, this guy is not good news. You may want to distance yourself from the campaign. Mm-hmm. But as we would later find out from Mark's testimony, he viewed it more as this is my 27 year old son who lives in DC. He's never been to Bladen County. He isn't. Why should I yeah. trust my son over all these other people in Bladen County who are vouching? for McRae.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, the journalists were looking to see what Mark Harris's response was as his son was up there testifying. What was it?
1: Toward the end, Mr. Harris started to break down. Uh, As you can imagine, it was an incredibly emotional day. And um, we did later find out that um, he was proud of his Mm -hmm. son. Uh, It's not easy, I imagine, to be sitting in the audience watching your son testify against you. But he uh, did say that um, he was proud that his son was able to handle himself in such a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So, one of the big questions that loomed over this entire election fraud uh, scandal is whether or not Mark Harris knew what was going on. When he testified, did you get a sense of anything that he maybe do and didn't care because he was focused on winning or that he was truly unaware and trusted McCray Dallas that no laws were being broken?
1: I think the person who knows that answer is McCray Dallas, mm. to be honest with you. I think we will eventually learn whether Mr. Harris or Red Dome knew about what was going on. But until that investigation wraps up, we kind of just have to take – Harris at his word when he says, I had no idea that this illegal activity was going on. The one thing I want to go back to real quick was um, the line that John Harris said that made his father wet Mm -hmm. was, I love my dad and I love my mom. I certainly have no vendetta against them. I have no family scores to settle. I believe they made mistakes in this process and they certainly did things differently than I would have.
0: Mm. Wow. So the hearing ends with Mark Harris saying that there should be a new election after for, you know, since the election happened, saying that it should be certified and he should be the representative from the Ninth District. What was the response in the room to him finally conceding that?
1: It was, there were gasps, like there was like a audible gasp in the room. Then uh, Mr. Harris, of course, left. As soon as he got down from the stand, um, I, th- I believe the it was like almost disarray in the room. Harris was rushing out of the room, flanked by his attorneys. Reporters were running over trying to fire off questions to him, but he just left the building. So it was kind of chaotic. Then uh, all the reporters then stepped into the hallway to do live shots, to um, to you know, relay the news mm-hmm. that Mark Harris just called for a new election. There were so many reporters going live in the hallway that the microphones that the State Board of Elections officials were using were, like, getting feedback <laughs> from all of the uh, different things that were going on there. And what was interesting, though, is even though Mark Harris called for a new election, he said there should be one, uh, it wasn't solidified, like the State Board still— had to deliberate. There were witnesses that were going to be called. There was other evidence that was uh, going to be presented. Uh, But, I mean, basically, once Mark Harris said there should be a new election, we knew eventually we would get to that point. But uh, it definitely uh, was a big curveball when that happened. I Mm -hmm. I remember seeing David Freeman, Mark Harris's attorney, kind of just leaning back in his chair, almost like taking it all in. Not really looking defeated, but looking like uh, he knew there's nothing more he could do at this point.
0: Yeah. Do you get the sense that there was a breakdown in responsibility and that this was even able to happen? You know, we've heard that McCray Dallas had been caught up in election fraud before, uh, had You know, seems like he's been doing this for some time, but specifically, people can point to times in 2016 that he was doing this, and it just seems there was so much information out there, and this was still able to happen. Was it a breakdown in the process, or were people just not paying attention that allowed this to take place again?
1: Clearly, mistakes were made somewhere. I think that looking at the election results in 2016, especially seeing those 221 to four to one mm-hmm. results in the 2016 primary you can tell that there's a red flag there if john harris could figure out that hey there could be some sketchy activities right. going on then i feel like someone in an official capacity in north carolina could have figured that out just as easily mm-hmm. so i i do think it's fair to say that there was a breakdown in the system i'm just glad that it was eventually caught mm-hmm. and now going forward the people of Bladen and Robinson counties can have fair elections.
0: Yeah, where where do things stand now? You know, did anyone escape getting getting in trouble?
1: Sure. So the investigations are still going on right now. So okay. it's too early to say whether anybody escaped out of this without uh, getting charged. But uh, the district attorney's investigation is still happening. And uh, the Department of Justice's investigation is still happening. So Mm -hmm. I would say it is likely more charges will follow. It's just unclear who will be charged and when those charges will come down. And do
0: any of these charges bring jail time? Like, might people actually serve time?
1: You know, I'm not 100 percent sure what the sentences Mm -hmm. could view. I know that some of these uh, uh, charges do have – Uh, jail time associated with them. It'll it'll depend on what kind of if any agreements are met. Yeah. So it's kind of too early to say how much jail time certain people could be looking at. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Are there any other things about the hearing or the election or the run up to the hearing that we didn't get to
1: that you want to add? No, I mean, this was just – it was like a soap opera. Yeah. It was being streamed. People were watching it online. People were watching it on uh, WREL's live feed. Uh, This captivated the nation, this uh, hearing – And it just kind of amazes me that Bladen County and Robison County, these two counties were on the nation's radar. Mm -hmm. I mean, being in the same room as Katie Turr, one of my idols, uh, (laughs) covering this trial, Amy Gardner sitting behind me, such a talented journalist. And they're all here because of little Bladen and Robison counties. Kind of uh, amazing to think about. And you're amongst them. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. No. But yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting experience. It will be a great movie one day.
0: Okay. Well, I think that is it, unless you have anything else. But thank you so much for, for joining us for another
1: episode. Absolutely. If you have anything, uh, just let me know.
0: We'll be right back.
2: Crooked Minis is brought to you by Sleep Number. When was the last time you really slept great, John? Last night. Wow. Wow. Slept like a baby. Huh. Huh. Gonna improv my way out of this problem in the ad because you're supposed to say, I can't remember. And then I say, God, you know, we'll try just about anything to sleep better when it actually could be time for a new mattress. John? That's why I got myself a sleep number. And we recommend it. Sleep number stores, it's the biggest sale of the year. All beds are on sale and queen mattresses start at only $899. My sleep number setting... Is 100 because I like a hard mattress with a pillow top. That's what I like because I've got a, a sleep number setting at 100, and then I put the soft parachute pillow top on top of it. It's delightful. Uh, Ronan, my partner's, <laughs> my partner setting is 70. Uh, Mine's a 70. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, guys! Oh, is it finally? Partner. Are we finally said, telling the truth? That's a business partner. <laughs> oh yeah. Is that? I think I don't think of it as business. <laughs> I don't think of it as transactional. But you learn something every day during a, during an ad for Sleep Number. Uh, but we love our Sleep Number beds. <laughs> Wish your mattress could be firmer, or softer. Everyone's a it reminded me because I just watched the Shit's Creek episode last night, the Meet the Parents one. <laughs> Is that this season? I'm yeah. behind. I've been saving them because I'm oh, too sad to let them so go. Good. I'm so excited, but uh, every once in a while I'll go out to dinner with Spencer, and then I'll like he'll say something obnoxious, and I'll like make a joke about it being our our, uh, our one year anniversary, and then I feel like this obligation to like explain that it's a joke because we're obviously not dating, but not because it's a joke for two men to date. So I like constant. Then I've realized I've gotten myself into a morass where I'm real explaining pickle. explaining to uh, it's a real pickle. Whoever, that uh, that I'm gay, he's not. We're dear friends. We're not dating, but we could. Point is, get a sleep number bed. Just ask J.D. Power. Sleep number is right, has been ranked number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses for 2018. Award information, visit JDPower.com. That's very specific. Come in during the biggest sale of the year and for a limited time, say 50% on a Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash minis. Look, it's tell worth it. Tell, tell them Crooked sent you. Tell them. Just get it that is worth bed. It. We it's really a great like it. bed.
0: You may remember Mark Elias from last week's episode. He was Dan McCready's lawyer throughout all of this, and he had some thoughts on the hearing, too. So... I don't know what you're allowed to share, um but whatever you can with the next few questions I have uh, would be really helpful when you were briefed on everything and we're starting to get ready for the hearing and everything. Do you have any thoughts about when Mark Harris and McCrae Dallas met? I know that was a big part of the hearing. Did he you know know him already? Did he know what services he was bringing to the table? and enlist him specifically for those reasons, or was he completely clueless and just thought that McCray-Dallas had figured out some magic pill to to win
3: elections? Are you asking what I think now or what I thought then? Uh, Both. Yeah, look, I think now, having gone through the entire hearing, it's pretty clear to me that Mark Harris knew McCray-Dallas had engaged in activity in the past that Mark Harris himself had thought was fraudulent. So just to lay this out, Mark Harris had run for – the House seat two years earlier right. against uh, two other candidates, one named Johnson and then Pittenger. Pittenger wound up winning the primary and becoming the congressman. And then in 2018, Mark Harris then ran against Pittenger again. But if you go back to the the, the earlier election, Johnson, the, the third Republican in the race, had, had employed um, or used the services of... McRae Dallas and the results were clearly irregular. And I say that because we know that Mark Harris himself said that he thought that they were irregular and the product of fraud. So, you know, one of the things that seemed clear to me was that McRae Dallas wasn't retained despite the fact that he had engineered these highly unusual results. Um, for Johnson. He was hired precisely because of that. So Mark Harris went into this because McCray Dallas had run a program that had achieved almost impossible results without fraud. And Mark Harris wanted that for his campaign. And I think what you ultimately saw when Mark Harris's son testified, and in the email exchanges, Mark Harris's son laid this out, that basically, you know, McCray-Dallas had engaged in fraud, and you shouldn't hire him for your campaign because he will almost certainly do that again. And Mark Harris decided to retain McCray-Dallas anyway.
0: So moving specifically into the hearing, First day, you step in. What is it like in the room? And overall, what was the hearing like?
3: Yeah, so the hearing was, from the beginning, a pretty big deal in North Carolina. Um, It was being live streamed. Um, It was held in a very ornate room in the Bar Association in Raleigh, and the room was packed. And it was packed with members of the local media, it was packed with members of the national media, and it had a large number of spectators who were political operatives on both sides. And there were three sets of lawyers. Um, There were the lawyers for the state board sitting in the middle, and then on one side you had me and the legal team uh, for McCready, and then on the other side, you had the legal team for Mark Harris. And, And it was clear from the beginning that, you know, this was going to be a fairly contentious hearing, and it was also going to be one where surprises were possible because unlike your normal civil case where everyone's been deposed in advance and you have you know mutual document dis- uh, discovery here we were literally having witnesses called Um, who I didn't know who they were. And we were looking them up as they were being called in some instances. So it was much more spontaneous. Obviously, Mark Harris's son testifying against his father was a surprise to us. So there were lots of twists and turns. Each day, we would end the day by thinking, by saying, this is crazy what happened here. (laughs) And each day, it would get even Crazier,
0: Mark Harris's son, uh, John Harris. I guess no one was expecting him to go up there and just kind of lay everything out um that went against what his what his father was was claiming. What was it like to hear his testimony? And I know this is a bit of speculation, but what do you think motivated him to go up there and be honest, even though it was going to be harmful to his father?
3: You know, It's hard to know what motivated him. There are a couple of things I could say. One is, he's currently employed, or at least at that point, was currently employed, and I think still is, by the U.S. Attorney's Office um, in North Carolina. So, as a federal government employee and a, and a prosecutor, I'm sure that um, he felt a particular obligation to be forthright with the State Board of Elections. That's number one. Uh, number two, remember that his testimony was largely tracking email traffic that he had produced. And so, that's, this is not to take anything away from John Harris or to suggest that he would have shaded his testimony otherwise, um, because he, by all appearances, he seemed to be a very straightforward and truthful witness. But by the point that he took the stand, he had turned over these emails earlier that day or in the days before to the state board. And those emails more or less track the back and forth between him and his father about McCray Dallas. So, you know, I think by the time he got on the stand in those emails were out, it was pretty clear what direction he was going to go in. Although, like I said, he deserves credit for having, you know, been a very straightforward and seemingly very truthful witness.
0: Okay. so the end of the hearing, John Harris testifies. And then there's a moment where Mark Harris's attorneys ask for a recess. And ultimately, Mark Harris says, I believe there should be a new election after having called for the election to be certified so many times. What was that recess about and what do you think gave Mark Harris a change of heart about having a new re-election?
3: So look, here is what I know and here's what I speculate. Um, What I know is that Mark Harris began to testify and was asked a series of questions at the end of his testimony by the State Board of Elections as to whether or not he had engaged in behavior that you know, could be viewed as obstructive, whether he had either coached someone not to tell the truth or he had documents weren't going to be produced that needed to be produced, namely those emails that I mentioned. But it was clear that he was being asked a series of questions that put him in jeopardy by the state board of elections that he was uncomfortable with. I then began to cross-examine him and immediately went to that area and asked him, you know, reminded him he's under oath, penalty of perjury. And he was saying things like, well, I don't remember that happening. And I think I asked him, you know, is this the kind of thing you would remember, right? If you did something, you know, in the last few days to urge someone not to produce documents that they were supposed to produce, that's something you would remember. And at that point, you know, the lawyer for Mark Harris sought a recess. Um, his lawyer, in my dealings with throughout the proceedings, was very honorable and honest and straightforward. I so now I'm going to go into the speculation mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect that his lawyer you know, had concerns that his client was either about to say something that is untrue um, or about to incriminate himself. And either way, um, an experienced ethical lawyer was going to not be able to sit by while his client either lies or creates legal exposure for himself. So that's when the break took place. And I think that, um, you know, as I said to the media afterwards, you know, I made it very clear to his lawyer that, I had several hours of cross-examination in which, you know, Mark Harris was going to be confronted by the truth, and he was going to have a choice to either acknowledge the truth or not tell the truth. And I think his lawyer probably suspected that this was not going to go well and urged um, his client that the only way out of this was going to be to say that there should be a new election. And once we were told that he was going to join the call for a new election, I uh, agreed that he could step down without further cross-examination. It would have been procedurally, I would have had a right to continue the cross-examination, but it, but I agreed that, once, that if he was going to call for a, a new election, and that was the remedy we were seeking, that he could step down without further testimony, and that's what he did.
0: In general, have you ever seen anything so blatant, like this before?
3: No, no. I've never seen anything like it. I can't think of another instance of election fraud. And just to be clear, this was not voter fraud. You know, Republicans talk a lot, a lot about voter fraud. Um, the voters didn't commit fraud here. The voters were victims of a fraud. They were victims of a fraud perpetrated by McCray, Dallas, and others to deny them of their opportunity to freely cast a ballot. Um, but I've never seen anything like it. And I don't know of another instance where the state or a state has refused to certify an election because of a widespread election fraud that, you know, ties directly back to the campaign of one of the participants.
0: We'll be right back after these messages.
3: Crooked Minis is brought to you by
2: Quip. The easiest way to ease back into a routine, start it up before September, especially if you're headed back to school. Simplify the morning and evenings now with a simpler electric toothbrush from Quip. Timed sonic vibrations cover the basics of every part of your mouth and just take two minutes twice a day. The mirror mount puts brushing front and center in your bathroom so you'll remember to book in the day using your new brush. And the lightweight compact design means you can bring it along with you on those last summer weekend getaways. So enjoy sleeping in, then ease back into the swing of things with a smile quicks built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds i've timed it it's exactly 30 yeah yeah they're not lying no they're not they're not trying sure, to pull sure it reminds over. you when to switch sides and help you clean your home out evenly and it does do that because you're like you know you're daydreaming you're listening to an episode of a podcast from crooked media or the watchables to relax to hear about movies <laughs> you know just to unwind and then you're like wait i've only been on the left side but then it goes you're like holy shit! Holy shit! Time it's, to go over here. There it is. Look. I was. <laughs> there. Are you making fun because I was making a gesture? You were making a gesture, but it was d- all right. I know what it was. Unbelievable! I just such a vulgar culture. You can't even just mimic toothbrushing anymore without people's minds going into the gutter. But you won't go into the gutter with Quip. I don't brush my teeth like that. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> All right, pal. All right. Plus there are no wire or clunk- there's no plus there are no wires or clunky charger and it runs for 3 months on a single charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every 3 months for just $5. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and stay committed to your oral health. That's why we love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just, 20, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com, that's dot com slash Crooked Minis right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at dot com slash Crooked Minis. It's a great product. You will not regret buying it. No, you won't. You just won't.
0: While the hearing ended after those three days... It
1: did not close the case. In fact, new information continues to come out. A grand jury indicted McRae Dallas, on more charges for the 9th Congressional District. Dallas is now facing charges of felony obstruction of justice, perjury, solicitation to commit perjury, conspiracy to obstruct justice, and possession of an absentee ballot. Uh, These charges were in connection To the State Board of Elections investigation, Uh, their findings were basically presented to the Wake County District Attorney who brought the uh, findings to a grand jury. And then uh, the grand jury was able to issue several indictments. Other people charged include Lisa Britt, Ginger Eason, Woody Hester, James Singletary, Jessica Dallas and Kelly Henry.
0: And we know for sure Joe is going to be on the case. Next week, we'll focus on the new election that led up to all of this. We'll explore more about Republican Dan Bishop's past and talk to Dan McCready.
1: Um, So, you know, initially it was a lot of anger and and just, you know, quite honestly, the sense of like, like, I I don't want to do this. I want to go back to my little kids and go back to my my company. But like somebody's got to fight back. And like if they if they're going to do this to people, it's the right thing to do to do everything we can to shine a light on this fraud and fight back for the people whose voices were taken from them.
0: Rigging North Carolina is produced by Elisa Gutierrez. Our engineers this week are Kyle Seglin and Dan Hood. Our editor is Daniel Carissimi. Special thanks to Kara Hart.